Welcome to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast, where we look inside the mind of seven-figure entrepreneurs to see how they amplify their business and amplify their life. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest is a highly recognized influencer in the e-commerce space and has taught thousands of students how to effectively sell physical products online over at profitableonlinestore.com. And his blog, mywifequitherjob.com has been featured in Forbes, Inc., The New York Times Entrepreneur, and MSNBC. Please give a very warm welcome to Steve Chu. How are you doing, Steve? Great. Happy to be here, Paul. I am super excited to have you as well, Steve. And uh, like I was just saying when we were speaking before, we used to have a bridesmaids, bridesmaids dress store and and I know that the wedding market is certainly full of buyers and your first online store was all about wedding handkerchiefs and because you couldn't find them anywhere, right? So when it comes to building your own online store, is it about finding a need for something that you can't find anywhere or is it about creating a need for something that you want to sell? I mean, I think you can go both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, I feel like it's a lot easier to find a need that somebody already has than to create a need because that involves a lot of education. It's generally a much harder problem to solve. So when it comes to that side, when you're teaching then, do you have a certain way of trying to find that need with something? Yeah, you know what? It really just depends on the personality of who I'm teaching, right? So if someone's completely brand new and they've never done e-commerce in their life, I almost always have them look for stuff that's already in demand and then improve upon it and then sell it. Mm. But for people that are more experienced, uh, they can go the other way. Like, let's say they want to invent something or they have this product in mind that requires a little bit more education. Well, if they have a little bit more experience, just the time frame for profitability is going to be a little bit longer when you have to edu- educate somebody to, to actually purchase something. So, mm, Yeah, and that, that, that makes a, a lot of sense, I think a lot of people get stuck at the gate, right? Cause, cause they're like, yeah, but I don't know, don't know how to do the thing. And I also noticed as well, you've, you've got so many free resources on your site. Like just you give value, give value, give value. Uh, so how, how do you guys actually, how do you ascend people up through, through your process? Cause the, if you look at your site, it's like, Oh, how could these guys make any money? Cause they just give everything away for free. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that is it's counterintuitive, but when mm-hmm. you give away so much, you become an authority in that area. And then people want to sponsor you. They want to pay you for coaching, consulting courses and whatnot. And so I am a huge proponent of paying it forward because mm. it's counterintuitive, but that model works. Mm. Like okay. you, you become an attraction. People come to you as opposed to the other way around. I, and what, where do you find then like the, the majority of the people that are coming to you? Where are they coming from? Because I know you've had the blog right for what since 2000 yeah so i mean i've been running the blog for geez 10 years now the podcast for seven years i mean the podcast is a top 25 show in all of itunes and marketing uh the youtube channel i just started like a year and a half ago and it's at 50k subs i just started tiktok basically there's a new medium to just put yourself out there i'm on it now and with that do you find that compounds over time so now when you can go to a new channel you can create that momentum a lot quicker because you built all the lists and everything Uh, from the other channels? Uh, The answer is yes, to a certain extent. However, in general, what I've discovered is that audiences do not translate across different mediums. So for example, like even though I have a big email list and whatnot, it'd be really hard to grow a podcast still. You know, it's the podcasting, I think is the hardest thing to grow. 
Why, why do you think that is? It's because there's a really there's no real good discovery engines. Like I think Apple does a horrible job of it. <laughs> I think other platforms like Spotify and and whatnot are are starting to you know do some more recommendations. But for all the other mediums, the platform like YouTube is really good at sending you videos that you want to watch. TikTok is really incredible. Also, blogging is Google. Also, there's just no real good discovery engine for podcasts. That's, yeah, that's a that's a fascinating. Uh way of looking at it so how did how did you grow the podcast so massively then considering it's just uh it's just time really and word <laughs> of mouth and then what you do is I, I, this isn't have anything to do with e-commerce but what you do yeah. is you go on other people's shows or you kind of like trade episodes and you have to do your own networking basically mm-hmm. mm, yeah de- definitely so yeah let's let's talk a little bit more about the the e-commerce side of things now how how are you how are you then acquiring customers for the the handkerchief business for for example because are you running organic are you running paid traffic like how do you bring new people yeah Uh, so because i teach this stuff i literally do everything like if anything i treat my store like a crash test dummy or a laboratory laboratory is probably a better term a lab where i try different things and just see what works so i'm literally doing almost everything that you can think of Um, i would say the primary sources are organic traffic PPC, both Google and Facebook. And we have a lot of retention mechanisms in place like email, SMS, Facebook Messenger, uh, you name it. I mean, we're across all of them. So uh, depending on where you want to go with this interview, we can talk about any or all of those. Yeah, I'm I'm really, I'm curious of what what you've done on the SMS side of things as well. As I was going through through your your blog and I went through the e-com site as well, and very much you're always like, get them on the, get them on the SMS side of things. So yes. is that something that's been a strategy for a while? Or? No, it hasn't been for a while. So yet last year was the year of SMS. So usually the way I operate is every single year I try something new and then I stick with it for that full year. So last year was the year of SMS for me. So, so I've been doing it for about a year and a half, a little bit over a year and a half now. And it's, it's just been amazing. So compared to email, I would say it's probably like 10x more effective because when you get a message on your phone, you're going to open it, right? Mm. And I was very hesitant actually in the very beginning because I know for me personally, I don't like to receive marketing text messages on my phone, but it works and people are much more receptive to it now. In fact, I would say that I'm actually more receptive to it now also. So for example, when you go to a restaurant today, they'll text you when your table is ready or there are these certain brands that I really love that I actually don't mind getting a text because I'm actually very interested in their products. It's just a different mindset shift that you need to take. So, so how, how are you using SMS at the moment? Are you using it from a, uh, like you say, a, a marketing blast perspective? Are you having conversations over SMS and, and back and forth? Both actually. All right. So, I mean, we can, we can break this down. I would say that if someone replies to me on SMS mm. and I can have a conversation with them, it's an instant conversion. So that aspect of it is important. We actually, it's actually very important for our business. We have a lot of event and wedding planners Mm. and sometimes I'll just reply via text. And if we can have a conversation with them, it's an instant stale. And if it's a wedding planner, that's like repeat business for a very long time. So our number one goal is to always get people on our own marketing platforms, whether it be email, SMS, and to a lesser extent, Facebook Messenger. Messenger used to be a much better platform, maybe like two or three years ago, but I've gotten burned by Facebook all the time. I like over the years I've gotten, I, I just don't learn my lesson actually. It's like that uh, wild uncle. 
it's the, the one that you'd say you go it'll be all right at the party this time and then uh, <laughs> and then he always kicks off every time yeah i mean i started out by building a page got a lot of likes and at that point this is like many years ago it was working well and then groups were the next big thing um ads messenger was the next big thing so i jumped full on there but then once they start charging for things it just becomes really expensive and saturated and they start taking things away so mm. now i just focus on the things that i own so email and sms are two things that no one can take away from you yeah that's 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 really powerful and so are you are you having the same kind of messages going out over SMS is he having going over email like in, in shorter form or are you using like a, like a different angle to that because I noticed for example on your yeah uh with the handkerchiefs you're giving away a free handkerchief uh that's correct on there. Yep. so that's for the uh, that's on the acquisition side right mm. um so the, in order to acquire a customer so we give away a free handkerchief for a phone number that's one way the second way is we have a pop-up where we get an email and it's a spin to win pop-up and when people, people have to claim their prize via SMS. And so they're going to do that, right? If they want something mm. pretty good. Every, every, every uh, thing on the wheel is a winner. And then the last way is when someone places an order and then they opt into SMS, that's probably the best way actually to get an SMS subscriber. Yeah. Yeah. And I've noticed you see, you seem to not ask for the SMS and the email at the same time, right? So quite often yeah. you're asking for the email and then going, oh, by the way, we've also got this bonus or you can also get this thing as well. Yeah, I do that on the blog. So it's important that, so I always get an email first because there's less friction there. Yeah. Right. But once you get their email, they're already hot, right? They already want what you have to offer. And so that's a really good time to try to get their number. Getting a number is actually very intrusive, right? Mm. At least it's more intrusive than an email in my book. So the way you make it seamless is you use what is called like a two-tap opt-in. There's literally a link. And when you click on it, it opens up the messaging app. And then all you have to do is just click send and then you become a subscriber. Mm. Yeah. So, so just removing the friction as much as possible. So when people yeah. go through it, they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. This, it doesn't feel like they've got to go around in circles and then start thinking about, should I give my phone number? Should I not give my phone number? Yeah. And I personally try to prevent as much typing of the phone number as possible. Also like that two tap is, is ideal. Or I even just have them text like a word to a certain phone number as opposed to entering in their own number, because people for some reason just can't type in their numbers correctly. Yeah. <laughs> it it, it yeah. just always happens that way. So yeah. especially when it comes to country codes as well, when, you know, then, then if they don't not type the country code properly, then you end up, it, it just goes, sorry, message failed and stuff like that. And then yeah, when you, when you've worked so hard to get that number, then you want to make sure that that number works. Um, that's certainly really important. Now your blog's called my wife quit her job. And when I was researching you, I saw that, you know, your wife's only working really, what is it a couple of hours each day on the, on the e-com side of things, or is it even less than that? Yeah. So, uh, it, it comes and goes like right now is actually a more crucial period because of COVID. Okay. Uh, what ended up happening is we couldn't hire anybody due to COVID and we're still a little squeamish about hiring. So she's been going in more. Uh, if you asked me that question two years ago, yeah. She was working, um, she would go in maybe Monday, Tuesday, half of Wednesday, and then the rest of the week, like she'd focus on the kids. So, so how do you, how do you build systems and processes to, to start to automate some of that or outsource that? How did you find that transition, right? From, cause I know yeah. your wife came from a corporate world as well. So I imagine That's correct. very much an SOP kind of world of loads of Sunday, 
operating procedures and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we're not an ideal case in this because we actually run our own warehouse. Okay. And the reason why we do that is because we do personalization. Mm. So we actually have to have the products in house so we can run them through our uh, embroidery machines. We have four like industrial strength embroidery machines where we do personalization. I think in an ideal world, if you really want to make life easy, what you do is you use a 3PL or a third-party logistics firm, mm. which is what I would advise most people do. I personally will probably never drop the personalization part of our business because it's a pain in the butt, right? Yes. And it's very high margins. Mm. Well, I know I noticed that that did. So when you guys started doing the handkerchiefs, did you do personalization? Then did you do that straight out of the gate, or we didn't do it out of the gate. Uh, we only started doing because people started asking for it. And mm -hmm. ironically, it was my wife's hobby. Like she really enjoyed embroidery. And then I suggested we monetize it. And all of a sudden I actually destroyed her hobby. She actually does not like doing it anymore. I mean, so we have, you know, we have people we hire to, to do the embroidery and run the machines. Yeah. So is it, have you, have you found then over, over time that like, why do you think personalization really is, is so important? And, and do you think that's even more important than it ever was? You know, especially since there's this element of instant gratification now as well, right? If everyone wants yeah. everything personalized to them. That's correct. I mean, I think it's very important. Uh, it's just a pain. So you have to be willing to do it. But if you're willing to do it, and I would say that embroidery is actually one of the more difficult areas of personalization, because I don't know if you've ever run an embroidery machine. I mean, you, you sold bridesmaids dresses. Mm -hmm. Those machines are very finicky. And I'm of the belief that the more barriers to entry you have for your business, the better. Like the harder it is to do something, the more likely you'll be in business later because people tend to gravitate towards the easy things, right? Yeah. And so I think it's very important and you can charge a tremendous premium for that also. Yeah. Because no one's going to copy you. Yeah. Or it's hard to copy, I should say. Yeah. yeah. And th yeah, that definitely, definitely makes a lot of sense. Now, wh when it, when it comes to, you know, what, you seem like a guy who, whatever the, wherever the marketing landscape is going, if the, if there's an opportunity for you to, to jump on that and see where the next trends are going and, and capitalize on that, you, you will do. So where would you say, and five years is probably too long nowadays because everything moves so fast, yeah. but where, where would you say things are going in the next like 12 months or so? The next 12 months, like I think TikTok is huge. Uh, just the amount of exposure that you can get period is it would be amazing for an e-commerce store or any business for that matter, just mm. because, you know, it's funny. I, I've been talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. In fact, I just went to an event where we were talking about TikTok and people are still under the false impression that it's just a bunch of teenagers, but it's not mm. now. I, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's something like 70% are over the age of 29 now. Or I don't know if that's if it's that high. I don't remember the statistic. You should look it up. But it's yeah. high, basically. And I met so many brands that just all they did was really film their product or tour their office. They never mentioned their brands. But if people are really interested in what you have, they'll just Google it and find you and buy from you. And so that's why I've been I've been on TikTok for about three months now. And it's been pretty good. I've actually had a uh, several sales where they said, Hey, you know, I've been following you for a very long time. This is on the, my wife put her job side. I've been mm -hmm. following you for a long time. And then the TikTok actually pushed me over the edge. Once I saw you on that platform. Do you think so, that again, is that because it's more personalized almost, you feel like you're getting that behind the scenes element like Instagram, but in a more entertaining way. 
in a more entertaining way. And it's all video, right? Instagram is mostly photos. I mean, they have reels and stuff, but it's mm -hmm. mostly, in my opinion, copies of people on TikTok copying their videos over to reels. Um, TikTok is very addictive. I think the average person spends like 60 something minutes on TikTok. So it's a very addictive platform. Yeah, my, my, that certainly makes a lot of sense. Now, when, when it comes to, so you built, you know, multiple seven figure businesses now. It, and you strike me as a guy it's like very very down the line i'll tell you what i'll tell you what you, what you need to know kind of thing and i also what watched the first video you did on youtube and just the way you present on there it's like you've been doing it for years even though it was your first video um which is awesome so like how do how do you put yourself in in this this mindset where everything it seems like you have a lot of clarity all uh in, in what you do how, how do you create that <laughs> So that's probably an illusion. Like I, I wouldn't say I have clarity. Uh, what I do is I try a number of different things and whatever works, I, I press on it essentially. That, that's how I operate in general. So not everything works, but you know, I try enough things that I find something. And is, is that, have you got a system for that? So are you, are you trying to, cause you said like you have a different thing that you try every year. You, yeah. you also got a lot of micro things that you like, like Amazon do, right? So that they might have, one out of 10, that's a big hit. But when it is a big hit, it's massive. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you how I operate on that front. So usually what I do, and this is my MO, uh, I have a podcast just like you do, like we're, yeah. we're recording right now. And so what I do is I try to get the experts on my show for whatever I'm trying to pursue, right? Mm. So uh, let's, let's just take SMS. Like I had Ari Baga, I had like Postscript on. And, you know, it's, it's great when you record the episode, but the after the episode's done recording, I usually chat with them for another hour and get all the strategies and I try them. And then I report back on the results. They become invested in your results also. And then I usually just do some sort of case study on it. So I'm That's getting help. Funny. It's not like I'm, you know, figuring all this stuff out on my own. Uh, you know, I have, I have people who are well-versed in these things and I'm just following their advice. And the advice isn't always 100% accurate because it's always on a case-by-case -case basis. But, you know, you just kind of, pivot little things here and there until you get things working mm. it, it's it's interesting how anyone that i found who's got a successful podcast it's usually not because of they're not so bothered about the downloads more rather than the, net, the networking right oh yeah definitely i mean podcasting is the best way to network ever hands down yeah <laughs> De definitely now you so you came from a corporate background and yep moving into building your own seven figure business what stopped you getting there quicker uh that's a good question i mean i i didn't think i was ever going to pursue this stuff full time like i was almost in high school i knew i was going to be an engineer and i was an engineer for man almost 20 years actually i love my job uh i just you know most people don't like their job but i liked it uh, and, and the only reason I quit really is because it just didn't make sense anymore financially. And I didn't want to physically go into an office. I mean, things have changed now with COVID, but at the time, like everyone had to go in like every day of the week. But if it wasn't like that, I probably would still be an engineer, I'm guessing. So, I mean, my late start was because that I never really intended to do any of this stuff in the first place. Uh, so how, how long did it take then to get to seven figures once, once you did go, right, we're all in? Okay, so for the e-commerce store, we, we jumped out of the gate really well. We ended up doing six figures in profit our first year. 
I don't even remember when we hit seven figures actually, but it was, it was several years after that for sure. I mean, it and took a while. That's um, the weird thing as well, isn't it? Is everyone goes, Oh, I can't wait to hit seven figures. And when you actually hit it, you're like, Oh, well, that, 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 <laughs> we're already moved on to other things. Like in terms of it just becomes normal because you're already most of the way there. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't even think about it. Mm. Like I, the whole purpose of us starting our businesses was really so we could spend more time with family. Uh, and, and to this day, I still have to remind myself that that was the original purpose, because when you start running these businesses, it's really to get easy to get carried away and just start all these other things or trying to make more money here or trying to blow things up. But um, whenever you grow really quickly, it's actually really stressful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just very like we've we've had times where we have had like unusual press announcements, like we got on TV once. And that was, it was exciting for about 10 minutes until we had discovered that we had to fulfill all these orders. And it just became extremely stressful. Um, you know, we couldn't deliver stuff on time. So we had to reach out to all these customers and, you know, tell them, Hey, you know, sorry, we're, we had a big influx of orders. It, it's just very stressful. So. Yeah. That's what would you say then is it has been your biggest lesson through, through growing, either the econ business or, or the, or the coaching yeah. business. Yeah. Okay. So the biggest lesson, and this is always something that I've been actually good at is just sticking with something for the long haul. Yeah. So, um, everything that I try, I mentioned a year, but I mean, usually I, when I start something, I plan on doing it forever. That's just my mindset. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like the e-commerce store, the blog, the YouTube channel, like I really sit down and I, I don't start anything unless I'm committing to it. For, for a very long time, because here's what happens. I've been doing this for a long time now at this point. So the e-commerce store, what's our 14th year right now, we've seen so many competitors come and go in both my wife quit her job for the blog, as well as the e-commerce store. So if you just have staying power and you can outlast people, I mean, it's the business is just in general, like a stock that can only go up to a certain yeah. extent. It's the way what- I see it. Where, where do you think that, that, and maybe phrase it as a discipline trait, where, where do you think that discipline trait comes from? Is it, is it a learned skill or is it something that's ingrained in the way that you brought up in, in life or? Yeah. And this philosophy, like I always get people who, uh, who don't agree with me, but, uh, I think it was the way I was raised and this is why we're trying to raise our children this way too. We're not doing that great of a job actually, cause they have it easy, but I think, <laughs> I think life is about going through like the slog, right? Mm. I mean, I'm sure you've had really successful people on your podcast where everything looks great on the surface, but I mean, a lot of running that business is boring, right? Mm. It's a lot of doing the same thing and just kind of trudging through. And like the sooner you can get through that slog, which is kind of like what my childhood was like to a certain extent, like with the studying, like my parents made me study. Like I studied for the SATs in fourth grade. Like I slogged through a lot of stuff. And if you can get used to that grind, I, I think the word is grind that a lot of people use, then you're just going to be successful. I mean, don't, don't look at all like the success stories that you see out there. I mean, I would just focus on the grind and, and be expecting to grind away. So it, it sounds, you know, the whole phrase of you grinding your 20s, building your 30s, and then enjoying your 40s. It sounds like you just sped that up by 10 years by having the, the grinding your teenage years and earlier. 
Yeah, you know what's funny about the grind is once you get used to it, I mean, it's, I don't even think about it at all. It's just part of my schedule. And so you just have to, every, it's, it's funny. I remember, like I had this conversation with my friend Ramit a long, long time ago. This was like in 2013, I want to say. And he, at the time he was doing all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, how do you find the time? Like, how do you find the time to do all this stuff? And he was like, well, you just add one thing at a time and you get used to it. And then you'll find that you can do a lot more things that you mentally were stopping yourself from doing. And so today I get that question asked all the time. Like, how do you do all this stuff? I'm like, well, you just add one thing at a time and you get used to it and you'll be surprised at, at the amount of things that you can actually accomplish. And that's Parkinson's law, essentially. It's, you'll fill the time allotted, whatever the time is. You know, yeah. if you say, I'll spend six months on this project, it'll take you six months. If you're going to spend a weekend on it, you'll get it done any weekend. You'll just do it slightly differently to make it happen. Yeah, um, exactly. Which is, yeah, super, super powerful. Now, one question that we ask everyone who comes on the show, Steve, is what do you want to be remembered for when you die? Yeah, so I want to be remembered for being a great dad, first mm-hmm. and foremost. Like, hopefully my kids will carry on the legacy. But I want to be known for someone who's just helped a lot of people change their lives through entrepreneurship. You know, it's funny when I, I told you earlier that I wanted to work for the rest of my life. I, and at the time I didn't realize how little you're actually compensated for that work. Like it was, it was opening. Once, once I started selling linens, I was like, this is, this is dumb, right? Compare, I was designing microprocessors for a living uh, before that, which is pretty, um, you know, mentally intensive. And so when I started selling handkerchiefs, I was like, well, this is kind of dumb. It doesn't require that much brain power. And yet it's making so much more money than, you know, what I'm getting in my day job. There's just some disconnect here. Right. And then this whole blogging world, you know, YouTube podcasting, whatever that makes even more profit because there's no physical products involved. Right. Yeah. And so it just made me sh- like the, the it, it basically fried my brain. Like, I feel like, Everyone needs to go out on their own. If I mean, it's fine to stay at your day job and whatnot, but I think on the side, everyone should have something going just in case. And you'll be, you'll be surprised at what you can accomplish, how much you can get compensated for your own work. And it's just an amazing feeling. So that's what I want to be known for. People, a, a person who has encouraged a lot of people to take charge of their life and go out on their own. Do you think it's almost it's getting towards being safer to go out on your own than it is to be in a job because no job now seems stable. Yeah. You know, I believe in that a lot, but Mm. it's really hard to convince people that. Yes. Right. (laughs) Mainly because also we've been in this huge bull market for like the last, as long as I can remember. Right. People aren't really losing jobs right now, at least not, not in the tech sector. Like, I mean, restaurants and everything are shutting down and whatnot due to COVID and whatnot, but I, I would say the higher skilled jobs have a pretty good level of jobs. Like I would never have gotten fired from my job ever, mm. but I guess it just really depends on your job. Like if you're not in like the tech sector or anything that's hot, you're right. Uh, I think the business is a lot more secure. What I like about business and security is that you're not going to all of us, like, even if things are going bad, you're not going to all of a sudden lose all of your business. There's going to be warning signs and there's going to be a decline and it gives you time to do something about it. That's why it's safe. Mm. Yeah, de- definitely. And it's like riding a bike. Once you've learned the skills, even if something does go wrong in that industry, then you can go and apply the same skills somewhere else rather than with a job, then you're relying on someone else 
yeah. making those corrections for you, which is scares the hell out of me, <laughs> yeah. to, to be honest. But it, so what what do you think is one quick win that people can use to amplify the business today, Steve? If you aren't doing email and SMS, especially SMS, since it's less, less people are doing it, start it now. I mean, it takes some time, obviously, to build it up. Mm. To, to critical mass but once you do i mean those are your customers no one can take that away from you not, not even facebook massively agree with the sms side of things we're, we're big advocates of that so that's fantastic yeah. and what seven figure entrepreneur would you nominate to be on the show next yeah you know i want to nominate uh, amanda wittenborn she's actually a student of my course who's been just killing it she has an amazing story where she like literally during COVID, she lost like 95% of her business at one point, but then she ended up turning it all around and knocking it out of the park that year, had her best year ever. And then this year is going to be even better. She's like a very driven woman. I love it. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll get the details from you after, after the show. And where, where can people find out more about you and what you do, Steve? Yeah. So if you're interested in learning how to start an e-commerce store, you can head on over to my blog over at mywifequitterjob.com. I have a six-day mini course that you should take. Um, even if you already have a store, you know, you'll probably learn something from it. And uh, I also run an annual e-commerce event over at sellersummit.com. And if you guys are getting married, I'll, I'll hook you up with some handkerchiefs over at uh, bumblebeelemons.com. <laughs> Fantastic. Steve, it has been amazing having you on the show and I can't believe how many questions and stuff we've got through in such a short space of time. So that's been uh, fantastic. You've been listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast with me, Paul Ace, and my amazing guest, Steve Chu. Remember, amplify your business and amplify your life. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast. To access the show notes, episodes, and this month's giveaway, head over to www.amplifytosevenfigures.com. Remember, amplify your business, amplify, amplify your, your life. life.